Lecture topic. Submitting for Allah's pleasure. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladheen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. إذ قال له ربه أسلم قال أسلمت لرب العالمين صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters Among the very very great lessons that we learn from the life of Sayyidina Ibrahim Ali Salaam. And in fact the greatest lesson that we have been taught from his Mubarak life is the lesson of total submission. Complete total submission. Giving oneself over to Allah Ta'ala. Totally obeying Allah Ta'ala. Not having any question with regards to any of the commands of Allah Ta'ala <coughs> carrying out whatever Allah has commanded wholeheartedly not questioning anything not having any reservations in our hearts not having any doubts about anything that Allah Ta'ala has commanded us this is the lesson that we learn from the life of Sayyidina Ibrahim Salam. And this was the lesson in every Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. All had, mashallah, the highest level of submission. But the Quran Sharif highlights Ibrahim Salam's submission. And Allah Ta'ala says, is, قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Remember the time when your Rabb said to Ibrahim Salam, Aslim, submit yourself. Give yourself over to Allah Ta'ala. And he immediately expressed his submission. Qala aslam to Rabbil Alameen. That I have totally submitted myself to the Rabb of the universe. Now this lesson, how does it apply in our lives? We are also Muslim. Islam, Islam means submission. And he was told to bring Islam, meaning to submit. We are also Muslim. We are also those who claim to have submitted to Allah Ta'ala. Now the issue is that we have to reflect in our lives to check what level of submission we have. Because the entire issue is about submission. The lessons that we get from the lives of the Anbiya Ali Salam, the various incidents of the Anbiya Ali Salam, which the Quran Sharif mentions, is not as part of some storytelling, some part of just uh, for the sake of some historical record, for the sake of just uh, mentioning some facts. No, there's a very, very deep purpose in this. And the purpose is that this is Ibrad. This is a lesson. One is to just give a lesson, do this, do that, but the Quran Sharif is not a book of just cold law. If you open a book of law, the book of law doesn't have anything but law in it. 
this must be done, this must be done, this is how it will be done, and that's it. And if you don't do it, this is the outcome. The book of law is not something that nurtures a person's mind and heart to accept the law. It just gives the law. Open any law book, South African laws, any other country, open the books of law, and this is what you'll find. You'll find the laws, and just cold law. The Quran Sharif is a book of guidance. It is a book of hidayat. And when something has come as guidance, it nurtures one. It molds the heart and mind. It creates a consciousness. It brings about love in the heart. For the creator, for the sustainer, for the nourisher. It creates recognition in the heart for the creator of this entire universe, the controller of this universe, and to whom we have to submit ourselves, that recognition and marifat, the Qur'an Sharif, brings this to fore. The Qur'an Sharif guides one of how to get to that destination of submission, what we should have in our hearts, how we should, and for that purpose, in order to ease our way to that destination, we have been given numerous incidents in the Qur'an Sharif. Incidents of the various Anbiya Incidents about their nations, about the people that they went to, how some people reacted positively and accepted what was given to them by the Nabi. They too submitted, how they succeeded, how they then became close to Allah Ta'ala, what kind of barakat and blessings came to them. And then there were those who decided to do their own thing. They thought that what's the need for us to now bind ourselves to all these laws. So they rejected, they were not interested. And as a result, what became the end result? What kind of destruction came to them? And all the various details of this nature, the Quran Sharif goes into much detail and certain incidents are repeated over and over and over again. The incident of Sayyidina Musa Salam. And the Bani Israel, so many places in the Qur'an Sharif, out of the 30 paras of the Qur'an Sharif, in 28 paras you'll find some mention or the other of Musa Salam, the Bani Israel. And many of the incidents are the same incident, but explained somewhere in more detail, somewhere in less detail, somewhere the same incident is repeated. Now all this repetition... What is this purpose for? Why was this done in this manner? What is Allah Ta'ala's hikmah and wisdom in this? Allah's hikmah we can never encompass. But what is very apparent nevertheless is that this is a book of guidance. And this is the method of guidance. When something is meant to guide, then it is not just a cold book of law. But rather it guides. It guides part of the guidance is through mentioning incidents, examples, various things of this nature which help to mold the mind to understand. So Ibrahim والسلام, his incidents are mentioned in the Quran Sharif, the incident of Allah Ta'ala giving him the command to slaughter his son and how he went about it, what he did, how he approached his son and how both father and son then submitted فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَا 
Allah Ta'ala says when both of them submitted Aslama father and son father is being told to put the knife on the throat of your son which is not any small thing it's a very 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 major issue for any father to be told to put the knife on the throat of his own son and then the son the son to accept that I'm going to be slaughtered in this manner and both submitting because it's Allah Ta'ala's command Allah Ta'ala didn't allow it to happen but at that time they didn't know what's going to be the outcome now this is that lesson of submission that Allah Ta'ala describes in the Quran Sharif and the Quran Sharif goes into all these details not just as historical facts not just for the sake of some bedtime story no this is not to do with anything with some called so called bedtime stories this is ibrad this is a lesson this is nurturing and tarbiyat this is what's the method of hidayat so what we are being told here is that ibrahim alayhi salam as a father ismail alayhi salam as a young boy but what was their level of submission the quran sharif endorsed it falamma aslama total submission to allah taala now this is the same point that we have to reflect within ourselves what are we doing how are we submitting are we submitting what is our position now there's so many things that we have to reflect on mashallah the days of qurbani come somebody might be performing the qurbani as well if not we all become part of some qurbani somewhere in some family somebody is slaughtering something so that atmosphere that consciousness of qurbani but what is this qurbani telling us what is the message this qurbani is the remembrance of this great act of submission of ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam and ismail alayhi salatu wasalam this very great act of submission this is what this qurbani is all about and the quran sharif has preserved this and we are made to go through this action physically by slaughtering an animal those who have the means are required to do this they are obliged to do it now this is the entire lesson that of submission that we are being taught that look just as they submitted to allah taala you give yourself this practical reminder but it doesn't finish off there that's not the be all and end all that is wajib on those who have the means they have to do it but what is the spirit that we are supposed to learn from this so allah taala didn't command anybody else to slaughter their child and didn't even allow ibrahim alayhi salam to eventually get that done allah taala prevented that from happening but the lesson of submission is what must be carried forward now let us look into our own lives each one look into their own life and try to consider so many commands of allah taala that are directed to me have i submitted have i given my all have i given my total self now there are many things but just some of the more common issues which we need to reflect upon the command of the quran sharif for example regarding clothing dressing Allah Taala says wali basut taqwa dhalika khair Now this is a topic we've discussed many times 
And on previous occasions also when discussing this topic we mentioned that we'll keep discussing it. Because this is a, among the things that need to be really highlighted because of the way in which the manner of dressing is going, the fashions, the styles, way it's going, which direction is going in, how the haya is being totally lost and what kind of shamelessness is coming into this. So now just to understand in the ayat of the Quran Sharif again what Allah Ta'ala is describing, وَلِبَاسُ taqwa ذَلِكَ khair That the garments of taqwa, that is better, that is best. Garments of taqwa, what does this mean? One is adopting taqwa itself has been described as a garment of taqwa. Meaning just as a person wears something. So now they wear some garment, so the garment is with them. So now that becomes their clothing, that garment now has clothed them. So we are being now told, make taqwa your garment. Clothe yourself in taqwa, let taqwa cover you from head to toe. The eyes are also in taqwa. The ears also in taqwa, the tongue is in taqwa, the heart is in taqwa, the hands and feet, everything is within the framework of taqwa and consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, being conscious that Allah Ta'ala is watching, Allah is aware, Allah knows, Allah Ta'ala is all-powerful and I need to submit myself to Allah Ta'ala. That's one meaning. And the other is the clothing itself. Walibasut taqwa, that kind of clothing and garments which fulfill the requirements of taqwa. And the requirements of taqwa, one fundamental part of that is haya. Now, this is what we are, are being asked to submit to. Now, what is our submission? What's in the heart? Where is our heart submitted to? The kind of garments my grandmother used to wear, that's very old-fashioned. That is already extinct. And now maybe what some others, elders, etc. in the family might wear, that too is now old-fashioned. The new fashion is the western-style garments. Now that's the mind, that's the heart in which direction is going. Now if this is the heart, that there is preference to the western style, which is devoid of haya, which is far, far away from that shame and modesty that Dean has taught, and that is what is the desire in the heart. That this is what I want. Now that's the question then we have to reflect upon. How close am I to the submission that Allah Ta'ala wants me to do? Is my submission where it should be? Or am I far away from it? What is the requirement? Now, if we look into our lives in regard to the dressing part of it alone, Generally, generally, we'll find that we are far away from where we should be. Because there's selective kind of dressing, for certain situations, it might be more conducive. And when we're away from that, then it's the Western style, it's the fashions of the West, which are devoid of haya, and it keeps going down, keeps going backwards. Now, if somebody is preferring, uh, in family circles, and other circles and so on, prefers to adopt the western jeans and t-shirt culture, and likewise other similar styles, other western styles, where are we in terms of this submission? So this is a lesson that we have to now bring into our lives. 
Ibrahim salam was told, put the knife on the throat of your son. That was his son. To desire to have the company of one's child is not haram. But on that occasion Allah told him, you do this. So there was no question asked. He was ready to do it. And he went ahead and made the efforts. But Allah prevented it from happening. Now that was Ibrahim He was ordered to put the knife on the throat of his son. We are being told, put the knife on the shamelessness in dressing. Have we learned something from the lesson of Qurbani? Or we didn't learn? Now we've performed Qurbani, or we've been part of it, or we have been nevertheless educated about it, we've been told about it, what is Qurbani all about, what is the message of Qurbani? Year in and year out, we hear these details. Have we taken this lesson of putting the knife in order to submit to Allah Ta'ala. Putting the knife on what? For example, what we are discussing. Putting the knife on the shamelessness. Putting the knife on that behayai, that lack of shame and modesty in dressing, in other aspects of life. Now, dressing is highlighted because this is what's growing in a, like a tsunami, a tsunami of that immodest style of dressing has now swept through our homes and it's carrying everybody in that same flood. So now we need to become very conscious of this. And therefore, previously it was said as well, we'll keep discussing it. And inshallah, today won't be the last also. It'll keep coming. Because we need to conscientize ourselves and conscientize others also. That we have to take note, it's not just a matter of what kind of dressing a person adopts. The dressing will impact on the heart and mind. We've discussed all these details many, many times. That the dressing will impact on the heart and mind. Person who dresses in western styles will think with a westernized mind. It may not happen in one day, may not happen in one week, but its impact will start coming in and the person will then start, first will start trying to find ways out of what Dean has given. So how? We'll find some so-called scholar somewhere. Some so-called scholar, somewhere, some part of the world, he will have been giving some kind of scholarly uh, lessons and part of the scholarly lessons and research, very in-depth research in very big inverted commas nevertheless, that he will bring out is that you must dress per the norm. The place where you are, what kind of dressing is being adopted by people around there, that's a kind of dressing you must also adopt. So if somebody is living in a western country where all the people around are dressing in the western style, and we know what the western style is, we no need to go into any detail of that, the immodest and shameless, short and figure-hugging garments, so now you must not contradict the norm of the place, you must dress in a similar manner. So now, this is the kind of so-called research coming from so-called Muslim scholars. This is not just a something hypothetical, just, just something for the sake of an example. This is a reality, what somebody has now, they so-called research. And then there will be some distortions of something or the other to try and justify it, to try and provide so-called proofs for it. Now, where did this come from? It came from adopting a Western mindset. Now, the Western mindset now, it's talking. It's talking that language. Now a person who dresses in this way will also start talking that language. So now first, 
you try to find ways around it and bring about some kind of so-called justification and proofs. And then Allah forbid from one step to other, another. First you won't say that the Islamic dressing Nauzubillah is not good. You'll just say no, you must dress as per the norm of the place. Which is obviously a fallacy, it's wrong. But nevertheless that will be the first step. And then from there, Nauzubillah, people will start finding some deficiency in what Deen has given, so-called deficiency. And they'll sell their Iman. They'll sell their Iman for what now is being given to them by the Western masters and that Western ideology and what they took from the Western lifestyle. Now that is dictating. And that is now demanding you do this and you, this is how you do it. You dress in this manner, you live in this manner, you have your functions in this manner. That is dictating. It's no more now the Quran and Sunnah that's dictating in the person's life. It is the Western lifestyle. A person who says, no, I am not following anybody, that's a fallacy, that's wrong, that is just a lie. Whether a person realizes it or not, we are following. We can choose, either we choose to follow Rasulullah otherwise we are going to be following something somewhere. It's not a matter of nobody is following, or we're not following anything. We are following. And it's just a matter of sometimes we're doing it consciously, and sometimes we're doing it without realizing it, we're doing it. Because we're just following the crowd. So which direction the crowd is going, but we're not realizing, we're following who that crowd is following. So the crowd is following some personal, some call, so-called person of star of the world, some style of the dunya, of the West, we're following that. So now that's the choice. Now our submission to Allah Ta'ala requires that we submit ourselves to the Mubarak way of Rasulullah We don't have any other sideline issues. We only have one line. And that one line is the line of the Quran and Sunnah. The Sunnah is after all the explanation of the Quran Sharif. It is the elaboration of what's in the Quran Sharif. So it is the same line. The line of the Quran and Sunnah. So, now on these occasions, when we learn this lesson of submission, we must stop and start pondering, start looking within ourselves. Like we spoke about this one aspect, this aspect of submission. Likewise in the Quran Sharif, the entire Quran Sharif is there for our guidance. But in our day-to-day life, so many things as young people, there are so many things that now become a challenge for us sometimes. The kind of things people do, the kind of places they go to, the kind of interaction that they have, what kind of interaction now that Eid is not far away, Eid al-Adha is at our doorstep almost, so now there will be a lot of things that will start coming around in the name of Eid, in the name of celebrating Eid al-Adha. And many of those things would be filled with so many things that are against the commands of Allah Ta'ala, against the way of Rasulullah now these things become challenges for many people because they just get swept away with it. But what is the dictates of submission? We must check and double check what is the command of the Quran and Sunnah. What is the pattern of Rasulullah to go to these kind of functions, to these kind of venues, to these kind of places where so many laws of Allah Ta'ala are being broken and all in the name of Eid where so-called Eid fairs are taking place and this, that and the other, and what not happens there. So now we need to question ourselves about all this. 
and stick to that which is the clear path which has come to us from our predecessors, our great ulama and mashayikh who have spelt out the clear path and has come down in that pristine purity from the predecessors. That path is what we stick to. So, we took one example only thus far, the example of dressing, but like this, there's so many things, for example, as young people, as people in a madrasa, or at home, among our siblings, etc., among the things that become a very big issue sometimes, is how we conduct ourselves with one another. One of the big problems is, that of mocking, mocking somebody, humiliating someone, calling somebody by names, these are common problems unfortunately, and now we just need to reflect on all these things in light of this lesson of submission. The Quran Sharif says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, la yashkhar qawmum min qawmin asa ayyakunu khayram minhum, wala nisa'um min nisa'in asa ayyakunna khayram minhum. Allah Ta'ala says, one group of people should not mock another group of people. It is very likely that the other group is better than you. Then separately Allah Ta'ala says, Wala nisa'um min nisa'in. No woman should mock any other woman. Perhaps they might be better than you. Now in other words, based on external aspects, sometimes a person now is mocking someone else. Somebody is a poor person. Somebody is a person of a different color a different language, a different nationality coming from some other country, a person might have some different background, but now currently all are sisters in deen, the brothers are all brothers in deen. Now on these basis, basis of color, the basis of language, the basis of wealth, somebody is rich and somebody is poor, the basis of family origin, all these things to make it a basis to now mock somebody, to think we are better and because somebody is not belonging to that what we are in terms of uh, nationality, the country that we come from for example, or the language that we are associated to, or the color, or the financial background and the social standing now because of that somebody is mocked, that's a serious matter, very serious matter. Hazrat Abu Zar Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala is a very prominent sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And he was somebody who, who was distanced from the dunya, very very distanced from the he didn't just, he shouldn't keep anything. His view was that you must only use what is absolutely necessary for the day, anything in excess give it away. So what you need for your food for the day, you keep that. What you need for your basic necessities for the day, you keep that. Any excess you mustn't keep it till the next morning, you must give it away. Whereas that is not the requirement of deen. You must pay your zakat, help others. But if somebody says something that hasn't been made forbidden, but he was on that level, that he could not tolerate somebody keeping anything excess in excess. But in any case, such a prominent sahabi one day made a mistake. And the Sahaba, Sahaba went through this learning process because they came new into Islam and as a result they went through the learning process but they were taught something once and that became part of their life. 
that mistake didn't happen again. That was something they learned. Illa mashallah, some odd thing happened a second time. But otherwise, that is it. Once they were corrected, that's how it stayed thereafter. So once he made a mistake, he made a mistake and in uh, some issue with somebody, he taunted the person with regards to the color. That you are the son of so and so. And what he mentioned, the son of a black woman. That person got offended and he came and he complained to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa became very upset. And he said to Hazrat Abu Zar radiallahu ta'ala, you are a person in whom there is jahiliyat. Now this was a way of reprimanding him so that he will correct this and he will rectify it immediately. But the, the manner in which Nabi Islam reprimanded him was a very strong manner. That you are a person with jahiliyat in you. This is this ignorance. And he got shocked because that was a very strong reprimand. Now, as mentioned, the Sahaba went through the learning process. Somebody made a mistake, it was corrected, then that became part of their lives. But now, depending on the nature of the mistake, the correction was done accordingly. This was a very serious mistake. It was a mistake, but it was a serious mistake. And therefore, the reprimand was on that level. You are a person in whom there is jahiliyat. This is ignorance in you. So he got a shock and he said after being you know, so long I've become old now and in Islam for so long yet is this jahilat in me? Abhi Sassam said yes. In other words correct it, remove it and he made amends. He even insisted on Hazrat Bilal to now tramp on his, he laid down on the floor and to tramp on his head meaning place his foot on his head because Bilal declined to do, he bent down and kissed his forehead. But the lesson in all this was, what was the extent of submission? One was submission that was taught, don't ever mock anybody. Don't jeer anyone. Don't humiliate anyone. On the basis of these kind of things, totally out. And then, one time the lesson is given, one message and total submission from the side of Abu Zarr as well. No ifs and buts. Oh, I didn't mean this and I really didn't mean that. And I didn't say it like that. No, no, I made a mistake, I must correct it. And that is what took them so far ahead. That they were insan, they came in new. Any person doing something new, he learns through a process. They are mistakes made sometimes. But they learned and became such great personalities that the Quran Sharif endorsed them. Radiallahu anhum wa an. Allah is pleased with them. So, that submission as well, that one lesson, one time is taught and they submit to it because this is a lesson from Rasulullah Now these are the things we have to ponder over, we have to reflect over. These are just two examples that we took. There are so many other things we need to sit down and reflect ourselves. Submission of our eyes, submission of our ears, submission of our tongue, submission of our heart. That we start desiring that which Allah is pleased with. We start desiring that which Nabi Wasallam has given to us. And we start disliking that which has come in opposition to the sunnah. In opposition to the way of life of Rasulullah And that is the western way of life. There is two ways. It's Islam, especially in the, in the era that we are living in, 
it's Islam and the West. And this is not just what we are saying. Even Western writers have written that now the clash has come to this. It's Islam or the West. So now a person can't be on the fence. He has to be somewhere. So what is he going to choose? Now each thing in our life, let us reflect. Where are we? On which side of the fence are we? On the side of Islam? On the side of the West? So this lesson of submission is what we take in the time of Qurbani, in the days of Eid al-Adha, during this months of Hajj, the lesson of total submission to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala and adopting the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq and make us true Muslims in every sense of the word. Make us completely submit to Allah ta'ala in every aspect and we don't get caught up in the styles and the ways of the West in any way. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا أعلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترى الله واجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله